0: I had a busy day yesterday, and I'm, I'm running in granny gear this morning. I hope you bear with me. Uh, we're in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> this is uh, the beginning of uh, three chapters that deals with uh, spiritual gifts in the church. You want to keep that in mind as we discuss the various uh, matters that Paul brings up because it doesn't have anything to do with us today. It has to do with spiritual gifts, which of course passed. Now the principles apply. They always apply. Principles are eternal. But the actual instruction is uh, for a specific time, specific culture, and you wanna, you wanna remember that. Uh, otherwise, it's easy to get tripped up. Uh, concerning spiritual gifts, That's the subject. Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, uh, idols that were unable to speak, give you any benefit whatsoever, uh, however you happen to be led. Therefore, since idols are dumb, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's talking, of course, about uh, people who uh, claim to be inspired, but they say something else. Curse the name of Jesus, things of that order. If a person does such a thing, he's not he doesn't possess the spirit of God. You know, he possesses the spirit of a demon, uh, if anything. Uh, don't pay attention to him now in Mark 9 uh, there was uh, some misunderstanding that uh, has arisen over this very matter and I want to look at it Mark 9 for just a moment Uh, John the apostle answered Jesus and he said teacher we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons uh, in your name they were expelling the demons And we forbade him because he doesn't follow us, you know. You can't do that because you're not a part of our group. And because you're not a part of our group, you have no lot in this matter. Basically is what the apostles were telling this guy. And Jesus said, well, do not forbid this man from casting out demons. For no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me, okay? there's, there's some things that stands out that we are noticed. I've heard people use this about us. Uh, we're not supposed to uh, have no fellowship with someone just because they're not a part of our group and they appeal to this text. Uh, this is what Jesus is saying. Just because someone isn't a part of your group, that doesn't mean uh, that they're uh, not followers of Christ and therefore you can't make such a judgment because of this. Uh, If you look at what's actually being said here, uh, first of all, John admits uh, this guy was casting out demons. Okay? Well, the only person that could cast out demons is the Lord. No mere person could cast out a demon. So if he was casting out demons, (coughs) who was doing it through him? That's your first clue. If this guy can do it, Who's the, the power behind him? And Jesus acknowledges that he works a miracle. Now, the only person that can work a miracle is the Lord. Nobody else can work a miracle. Um, the people There were a lot of people who claimed to be working miracles. But if these people spoke against the Lord in any way, shape, or fashion, you knew this person wasn't really working miracles. He wasn't really a follower of Jesus. Why? Because no one possessing the spirit of God could call Jesus a curse. That just can't be done. Uh, if he's if he's got the gift of the spirit, he's going to speak in favor of the Lord, not against him. Uh, the problem was he does not follow us, and this is where John uh, got tripped up. He's not a part of our group, us in our group, uh, the apostles, and Jesus, of course. Because he wasn't a part of our group, he's not really uh, a follower of Christ. Uh, This man, uh, he could have been converted at any time during the Lord's ministry. Uh, He could have been given uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as Casting out demons, uh, if he did this, it was because he was a believer, and the only way he could do such a thing is if he had the spirit of God. <laughs> if he had the spirit of God, he would be able to cast out demons. But if you have the spirit of God, then you can't do anything contrary to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's 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 very important. If you possess the spirit of God, you can't speak against the teaching of Christ. And if you speak against the teaching of Christ, it's because you don't possess the Spirit of God. Now, you can think of it this way. Anyone who teaches the doctrine of salvation by faith alone, that person does not have the Spirit of Christ. It's not because they're not a member of our little group. Our little group has nothing to do with anything. It's because they don't have the spirit of Christ. You won't speak against Christ. And when you speak against his teaching, you speak against him. Any person possessing the spirit of God will not speak against the Christ. He'll always speak in favor of him. Uh, And such things has to be acknowledged. We have to mark those who create divisions. Uh, Mark 16:16. It's our responsibility to do such things. We have to warn one another. John, First John 4 and 1, um, my, my beloved, do not believe every spirit, do not believe every preacher that comes around, but test that rascal and see whether or not what he's speaking is actually the truth. How do you know if the man possesses the spirit of God? You're gonna know about what he says. Now if he possesses the spirit of God, he can't speak against Christ. He can't change the teaching of Christ because anyone with the Spirit of Christ isn't going to do such a thing unless he does it by ignorance. Now, he may do it in ignorance, but if you show him where he's wrong, he's going to change because a person who possesses the Spirit of Christ wants to walk with Christ, and he will. He'll change his ways. Uh, Everyone is ignorant to a certain degree. Sincerely ignorant honestly ignorant 100% believing you're right only to be wrong the thing is when a person shows me what i misunderstand when a person shows me that the bible teaches that a person has to be baptized to be saved if i don't change my teaching I'm no longer sincere and I'm no longer honest. A person who is honest or sincere is going to change his teaching when he realizes he's not teaching what Christ would have him to teach. And it's as simple as that. I hope there's a lot of preachers listening right now. There's a lot of guys. I know they believe what they're teaching But whenever they're faced with what Jesus has actually said and realize I'm teaching something contrary to what Jesus taught, the Lord is telling us here that such a person doesn't possess the spirit of Christ. They may think they do or feel like they do, but once they hear the truth, they lose their sincerity. You can only be sincere until you find out you're wrong. And then if you persist in doing something a certain way, uh, you're no longer sincere. uh, I believe believe a person uh, can believe that mechanical music in worship is all right and still be safe in the eyes of God. Most people who believe such a thing don't know any better. They've never been taught what the scriptures teach. They're ignorant. And so, well, that can't be, because if that's the case, they can can be engaged in something that's not right. How many things are you and I doing that we think is right? And one day we might find out we're wrong. That's happened to me in my life several times. Does that mean I was in a state of lostness because I ignorantly believed something to be true? We have to be very careful when we are dogmatic about our beliefs uh, because sometimes we might be pointing a finger at ourselves when we point a finger at someone else If I wanna be understood in my ignorance, shouldn't I at least allow as as much for other people as well? Now, whether or not a person is honest, I don't know. Uh, But striving to do their best and being ignorant, uh, you don't know till you know. I can remember a time when I couldn't understand why anybody would be opposed to mechanical music and worship services. I thought it was the silliest thing I ever heard of. You know, to me, in my mind, it, well, that makes it better. Uh, I was honest, I was sincere, and then I found out one day I was sincerely wrong after I understood what the scriptures actually teach about the subject. But uh, a lot of people uh, do not. A person, a person might be engaged in uh, an activity that a Christian ought not be engaged in and think it's okay. Well, it's our responsibility to teach them, to show them the truth. I remember one time uh, in India, there was a, I think I, I think I mentioned baptism was, was what had come up over. And there was a woman preacher there. She preached for the Church of God. And uh, she got up in arms with me. And she started, yeah, blah, 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 the way they talk. I don't know what they're talking about. And then whoever was standing there beside me, they started, blah, 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 back to her. And I, blah, 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 blah. And <laughs> I don't know what in the world's going on. And I finally, I said, what's the matter here? And he said, she has a problem with baptism. If you prove what you're saying, she says she'll be willing to accept it. I said, well, let's prove it to her then. And uh, we went back and started with Moses uh, back when he uh, anointed the uh, tabernacle and all the elements of the tabernacle and the people. He anointed them with blood took blood of all them animals that they had sacrificed and he scattered blood on all the elements, the tabernacle itself and the people. Uh, and you see how um, coming into contact with blood had something to do with salvation. And yes, yeah, she understood all that. Well, then it was just a matter of bringing it forward to where uh, Jesus, uh, his blood was shed in his death, John 1934. And in Romans 6, 3, and 4, we're told that we are baptized into his death. Well, what's, why baptized into his death? What's the significance of it? Where was his blood shed? In his death. What are we baptized into? In his death. What happens when we're baptized into his death? We contact the blood of Christ. We go down into the waters a dead person. We're resurrected as a new creature. Something happened while we were in that water. We contacted Christ's blood, and she, uh, well, she understood that, and she decided to become a Christian that day, and uh, I think her whole church followed her, I'm not sure. The next day, I had a lot of Church of God preachers. (laughs) They weren't too heavy, but uh, we got along all right. Uh, I think that woman was sincere. Well, could she be saved? Well, I don't think so in that state because she hadn't been baptized for remission of sins. That means you're still in your sin. But there are a lot of things a person might believe that I don't think it will affect their salvation, at least I hope not, because uh, I've been in the same boat. I wanted mercy. I hope the Lord gives mercy to other people as well. Any questions? Just because a person doesn't call themselves Church of Christ doesn't mean they're not a member of the Church of Christ, okay? That doesn't go over well a lot of times. I think you all were advanced enough that you're not gonna be offended by it. But uh, a person may just be a Christian. I know people that they didn't know the church had a name. Well, the church doesn't have a name. There's nothing that says the Church of Christ is going to go to heaven, but believers are gonna go to heaven. The Church of Christ isn't even a name. We use it as a name. I wish we didn't, but we do. Uh, I guess it's the only way we can distinguish ourselves from other groups, but uh, that name, I think, is a problem in a lot of people's minds They can't uh, differentiate between a Christian and a member of the church of Christ. A person might be a member of the church of God. A person might be a member of the church. A person might not know that the church has a name and they're just a Christian. Are they saved? I would think so. As long as they did what the Lord wanted them to do. But we don't wanna take the position that just because a person isn't a member of our group that that person is lost. If they haven't obeyed the gospel, they're lost. But if they've obeyed the gospel, they're saved. When you go uh, into other parts of the world, you run into all kinds of things that we're not used to like a name on a church building. There's a lot of church buildings that don't have a name on them. You won't know what they are from the outside. You have to go in and worship with them before you'll find out. Are they Christian? I don't know. Depends on what they've done. You gotta obey the gospel. I know that much. You gotta have your sins taken away, and I know that much. But there are some things people will be foggy on just like we all are on some things. Uh, The source and purpose of spiritual gifts. They had a problem with spiritual gifts. John misunderstood. You're not a part of our group, therefore you're not a part of anything, and they were wrong. There are diversities of gifts, differences in ministries and diversities of activities. In the church now, there are a lot of different gifts. Paul says there's a lot of different ministries in the church there's a lot of different activities in the church we got a lot of different activities okay but uh, influencing affecting them all is the same spirit is the same Lord and is the same God He's pointing out here that the Godhead is involved in everything we do as a congregation, regardless of what it is. Uh, The Spirit, Jesus, and the Father are all three involved. you got the Godhead involved in what we do as a congregation. We're supposed to be uh, uh, exercising gifts. Well, we have different gifts. You use yours, I use mine. And because we all use our own gift, we get everything we need to get done done. The same thing's true about the ministries. They're different. You know, you got a fellowship program, you got a food program, uh, we got Bible class programs, we got uh, what the young people are doing now. I forgot what it's called. Lads to leaders. Uh, you got lads to leaders, you got different ministries, and then of course you got different activities as well. But no matter what they're doing, no matter what their ministry is, no matter what the group is, it's the Holy Spirit that's involved in everything that takes place, or is supposed to be at least. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the profit of the group, the congregation. Uh, These gifts are distributed to us. And we're to exercise our own personal gifts, plural gifts, and then if we do, everything gets done. That needs to be done. Uh, the variety of spiritual gifts he wants to talk about just a minute. To one is given the word of wisdom. How? More through the spirit. To another, he had the word of knowledge. How? Through the very same spirit. To another, faith. How? By the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing. How? By the same spirit. People were, there's some gifts that were more uh, uh, visible. Some gifts are more visible than other gifts. Uh, For example, uh, the gift of uh, knowledge. A person would get up and speak knowledge to the congregation by divine inspiration. Or uh, the gift of healing. People can see a person uh, healing someone, and everybody would like to heal someone. And then you got other gifts that aren't nearly as visible, aren't nearly as desirous, interpretation of tongues. That might have been one that wasn't high up on people's list. Uh, The point is, the Spirit has given each one a gift, in this case, miraculous gifts. He's given the gift of wisdom. He's given the gift of knowledge. He's given the gift of faith. He's given the gift of healing. There's four gifts listed so far. And it's the spirit who gave the gift to a particular individual because that person is the best person to get the job done with regard to that particular gift. Now, if I have the gift of interpretation and I get puffed up because Jimmy has the gift of uh, healing. You know, I want his gift. I don't want the gift of, I want his gift. I want to be able to do the big stuff like he does. People really like Jimmy, he's got the power to heal. They're all the time coming to Jimmy. And nobody talks to me, I just got the gift of interpretation. I don't want this gift, I want his gift. What am I doing? I'm fussing with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that gave the gift. What I'm implying is that he made the wrong decision. If he knew what he was doing, he would have given me the gift of healing. He would have given Jimmy the gift of interpretation. But he got it wrong. And because he got it wrong, I want him to change it. This is what was going on in this congregation. And this is the point Paul's trying to make. Whatever gift you got, you received the gift from the Spirit of God. Because this is the best way to get the job done. The job is to move the congregation forward, to strengthen the congregation, to build it up, and hopefully to be a light in the city of Corinth. And the Lord knows who's the best person for each job. Therefore, he distributed the gifts and take the gift you've been given and use it. Don't try to be the, uh, the most visible person in the room. Just try to be what you are and do it well. There's also the working of miracles, uh, the prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Nine gifts altogether together that the Spirit gave out. Uh, the signs of an apostle that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 is the possession of all nine gifts. The apostles were the only ones that had all nine gifts. Uh, if, If one of them gave me a gift, it might be the gift of interpretation. And that might be the only gift I had. If he wanted me to have two, he might give me the gift of knowledge, he might give me the gift of interpretation. It would be up to the, but I wouldn't have nine gifts because I wasn't an apostle. They were the only ones. This was the sign of an apostle. How do you prove you're an apostle? I've got all nine of these gifts and something only the apostles had. And uh, Paul references that when he's defending his apostleship in 1 Corinthians. But even though there's all these different gifts, there's only one spirit and he works all Things, distributing to each one individually as he wills and that's the key right there as he wills it's not about what I want it's about what the Holy Spirit wants if he wants me to be a, a, a fly on the wall then I'm going to be the best fly on the wall I can be if he wants me to do something else I'm going to be the best something else I can be it's not what you do It's who you are. That's what makes the difference. Being a preacher is nothing, it doesn't mean anything. You stand up in front of the church and you talk, dee doo. Does, the, the, does that mean the preacher's the most godly guy in the room? That's hardly the case. It's not about what you do, it's about who you are. And even though I'm sitting here talking right now, there could be a lot more godly people than me sitting out there. I just happened to get this job. And Paul's going to make that point as we go forward. Uh, unified and diversified, verses 12 through 19. For as the body is one, talking about the human body, okay? It's a very simplistic lesson. Hard to accept, but very simplistic. There's one body. I got a body, you got a body, but we got a lot of members. All the fingers and all that stuff. But all the members of that one body, even though they are many, are still just one body. Okay? I got one body, and I'm the head of the body. My head's the head of the body. I got one body, but there are all kinds of members. But even though a finger is not a body, the finger is still a part of the body. Okay? And all the parts are to work in unison. We all understand that. It's, it's really quite simple. Well, the same thing is true when you're talking about the Spirit of God. <clears throat> so also is Christ, okay? Just as we have a body that has different members and all members work in harmony according to the instructions of the mind, so is Christ. It's the same thing he's saying. The body of Christ has many members and one head. All we got to do is think of ourselves, really, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, that is the body of Christ. Into is an interesting word. Consider the body of Christ. There's one body, Ephesians four. 4 one body, that's all there is. And there's one head, that of course is Jesus Christ. Um, inside this body, his body, I can obtain salvation, Okay. I wanna be a part of his body. How does Jimmy's finger become a part of my body? There's a way to do that. These doctors, they can cut off mine, throw it away, cut off his and stick it on me. They do all kinds of stuff now. But if I want Jimmy's finger to be a part of my body, I'm gonna to have to go through a process to make it happen. How do I become a, a member of Christ's body? Somehow, some way, I've got to know the Lord has to tell me how I can do it, and of course he does. We are baptized into one body. It's it's not brain surgery. It really isn't. If I want to be a member of the body of Christ, I must be baptized into that body. We are baptized into Christ. We are baptized into his death over and over and over again we're taught. That's the Well, what if you don't believe in baptism? Or what if you don't believe in baptism into the body of Christ? How are you gonna get into the body of Christ? Franklin Graham, I watch him on the TV a lot. He makes commercials. He says all I gotta do is pray with him. And if I pray with him on the TV for about 20 seconds, I'll be a part of the body of Christ. Franklin, can you prove that to me? Can you give me some evidence that will show me beyond a shadow of doubt that that's true? Well, of course he can't do it. There's only one way that a person is taught to get into Christ, and that's through baptism. We're taught this uh, in a few different places, but there is no other way. You can't believe in the Christ. You can't pay, pray in the Christ. If you want to be a member of the body of Christ, you have to be baptized into it. And if you want to be baptized into it, you got to believe. you got to repent. You've got to be willing to confess Christ. And if you do all those things, then you may be baptized into Christ. It's not brain surgery. You know, it, it just amazes me that this is what divides the religious world. How is that even possible? If my grandkids couldn't understand this, I'd be terribly upset with them. And one of them's only six years old. It's not hard to understand, but it's hard to accept. I understand that. But if I choose not to obey, then that demonstrates I don't possess the spirit of God. Because if I did, I'd want to do what the Lord would have me to do. In the day of judgment, it's gonna be a horrible, horrible thing to see. I dread, I dread it in one way. I hope the Lord takes us and gets us out of the way. We don't have to watch it all. But there's going to be a lot, like Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 21. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only those who have done the will of my Father in heaven. Have you ever thought about how many people are going to go into the judgment? and be rejected. And they think they believe, they honestly, honestly believe they're right. But they've never gotten into the body of Christ because there's only one way to do it. There's only one way. We should be teachers. Every one of us should be teachers. We begin with our close people. First time I ever taught a person in their house. I picked out B.R.'s aunt. She's got an aunt that all she does is smile. And uh, she uh, belonged to a denomination but uh, she, I knew she wouldn't rip me apart. <laughs> so I, I went and I, I studied with her uh, five times and uh, I didn't make any headway uh, I was terrified. Even though I know she was gentle as a lamb, I was still terrified. I shook like a like a nut. Uh, it was one of the hardest things I ever did in my whole life. But I did it. And then it become. It was hard the second time, but not hardly as hard. I didn't shake as bad. And then I did a third and fourth. I was scared the whole time just like anybody would be. But eventually I got to where I could talk to people with conviction. I got to the point where I believed what I was saying so strongly that I could talk with conviction. We should all be teachers but we gotta learn how to teach. You gotta learn, and there's only one way you're gonna learn, and that's by doing it. I know it's tough, but it's something every one of us can do. We gotta love the person we're talking to. We've gotta wanna try to help them see the gospel in its purity and get to the point where we can do it with conviction because it'll be sad in the day of the judgment. I don't want to see it. Not that part. Ephesians 5, 23, we're told that Jesus is the Savior of the body. He's not Savior of the United States. He's not Savior of Jackson County. He's the Savior of one thing only, and that is his body, he won't save anything else. He's not gonna save uh, the Muslims. He's not gonna save the Hindus or the Buddhists. He's not gonna save denominationalism. He never said he would. He never made that promise. The only thing he's ever promised us is that he's be the savior of his body. So that's where our focus has to be, on his body and nothing else. It's not rocket science. It was so hard for me to accept this when I first became a Christian because uh, frankly I thought Church Christ was nuts. Uh, everything they said I thought was weird. Uh, I, I never heard such things in my life. I was used to what Catholics teach. And here I was over at Free Will, a little bitty old church, there's only 13 of us in there and I'm thinking, this preacher is going to go up against the Pope? You got to be kidding. You know, we're in a dinky little building in a dinky little county in a dinky little part of the world. And this guy's actually challenging all these Bible scholars? I thought he was nuts. I honestly did. But then I started learning the Bible. For the first time in my life, and things started changing, and it was wonderful. <clears throat> we are all baptized into one body. It doesn't matter who we are, everybody. Whether it's a Jew or a Greek, doesn't matter. Whether it's a slave or a free, doesn't matter. Whether it's a male or a female, doesn't matter. Whether you live on top of the world or on the bottom of the world, it doesn't matter. Everybody in the world can enter the body of Christ. And be saved if they are baptized into Christ. To qualify for baptism, you gotta hear the gospel, believe it, repent of your sins, confess the name of the Lord Jesus. And then you qualify. Then you may be baptized. That's what Philip told the Ethiopian eunuch, remember? If thou, what hinders me from being baptized? If you believe with all your heart, then you may. It's a privilege to be able to be baptized because that's when you come into contact with the blood of Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body and have all been made to drink into one spirit. We're all partakers of the same spirit, the spirit of God. Uh, I drink from the spirit of God. You drink from the spirit of God. What does that mean? That means that you and me are alike. We think alike. We are alike uh, as far as our devotion to Christ. You know, we, I like pizza, you like hamburgers. We're different, right? But we're also alike because we have the same intention, the same goals in mind, same aspirations. We wanna make Jesus happy. We drink of his spirit. And as we do, we become a part of his spirit and he becomes a part of ours. They're going to make me quit in a minute. Oh, this is going to take too long. Well, let's start, and we can always go back over it. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. This is what I sang a few moments ago. Uh, I don't wanna be a foot, I wanna be a hand. Is it therefore not a part of the body? Well no, we all know better than that. Well what about the ear? If the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, does that mean it's not of the body? Well of course not. We know how silly that is. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? How would you hear if all you were was an eyeball? You <laughs> know, we'd have to roll around instead of walk around. If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? It's illogical. Now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Not the way John Mabry pleases, but the way God wants it to be done. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? Why well, it would be an ear laying on the floor. If the whole body were an ear, what would it do? If the whole church was a preacher, what would we do? We're all gonna start talking at the same time? Or are we gonna stay here for 150 hours today? It's illogical, it doesn't make sense. We ought to know better, because all we have to do is look at our bodies and we can understand the body of Christ. It's not hard. For the kingdom of heaven, the Lord taught in Matthew 25, is like a man, of course that's the king, The man is the king. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. I mean King Jesus. This man called his own servants. He delivers his goods to them, what they were supposed to do. And to one he gave five talents. To another he gave two. To another he gave one. To each person according to that person's own ability. Who did it? Jesus did Whatever ability I have in the kingdom of God, it's a gift from Jesus to me. And what I'm supposed to do is understand what that gift is and use it to the best of my ability. But I want to be an eye. I don't want to be an ear. It it doesn't work. It won't work. And we all know better than that. My foot may not like being a foot, but I need that thing. I have to hop if I don't have it. And that's the way it is in the church. If the foot of the body of Christ doesn't wanna be a foot, how's the body of Christ gonna go forward? We have to think about what the Lord wants, not what we want. And Paul, in this chapter, he's gonna teach us about putting people on pedestals, how foolish it is. I'm on a pedestal. (laughs) To put me on a figurative pedestal, how foolish that is. Because the only thing I'm doing at the moment is what God has given me the ability to do. I mean, that doesn't mean I'm a godly person. That doesn't mean I'm a man that can move mountains with my prayers. Somebody else out there might be able to do that. Maybe I, I can't do that but there might be someone else who can. Just because you're there and I'm here, that don't make me better than you. And he's gonna get into that and explain it to us, and God willing, we'll look at it next week. But it's very important. But everybody's important, everybody's important. Whether you're a foot or an eye, a nose, an ear, it doesn't make any difference. Everybody has to work to make the body a success, and we all understand that.